You're listening to a Richwood Church podcast. It seems that we all proclaim allegiance to something, whether it be to our country or our sports teams that we love so much, or even our worldview. We proclaim allegiance to these things. But as strangers and aliens who are functioning in a foreign culture that is pretty much against everything that we believe, there is one place that we can plant our flag. There is one person that we can pledge our allegiance to that's always secure. A place where we don't have to worry about political correctness. We can proclaim Jesus Christ. We can go to the feet of Jesus and find comfort and rest. No matter how uncomfortable the culture gets, no matter how hostile the culture becomes toward us, His glory never changes. And so this morning, I'm going to ask you to consider what it would mean in your own life to, to commit at a deeper level to planting your flag with Christ, and more than that, to proclaiming the love of Jesus to the world, to to show his glory, to tell others that there is this person who is amazing and can change their lives and can change their eternity. We're going to learn from Peter this morning how to set about the process of proclaiming the glory of Jesus Christ. And so I want you to take your Bibles, if you would. We're going to turn back to the book of 1 Peter this morning, and we're going to start in chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. So it's 1 Peter 2, beginning in verse 4. And if you want to grab that Bible in the seat back in front of you, it's on page 1014. You can also download your Ridgewood app if you'd like to as well. 1 Peter 2, beginning in verse 4. Here the Apostle Peter, from Rome... A.D. 64 is writing to these displaced believers in the northern provinces of the Roman Empire. They were fleeing persecution, but now the culture was gaining on them, and they were struggling, and and Peter's writing to encourage them, and he's going to talk about who Jesus is and the glory of Christ, and I hope that encourages you this morning as well. Let's begin in verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Verse 7. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once 
you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so there's so much here to unpack that lead us, I hope, to this idea that the glory of Christ needs to be proclaimed because it's so amazing. And these first words, as you come to him, doesn't refer to a salvation experience. It refers to a communion with Christ, a joyful relationship with Christ that helps us then to delve into his glory and it will change our lives as well. And the overriding theme in this section of 1 Peter is this. The glory of Jesus Christ is the central figure. When you first read this passage, it, it, it seems like it's about us. It's about the, the believers. But really, as you unpack it, it becomes evident that what Peter really wants to focus on is Christ's glory. And, and, and Peter's amazed by Christ, and he can't say enough about Christ. And the descriptions are so rich, and he makes it clear why this goal of proclaiming Christ is foundational to a healthy Christian life. And so he uses this metaphor that's going to carry on through the entire section, and he calls Jesus the foundational stone on whom our salvation rests. He is the cornerstone and several other nuances to this word. The metaphor is a good metaphor. That Greek word for stone is lithos and sometimes refers to a carved precious stone that you buy in a store. But, but more apt here is as a building stone. And that's appropriate because that's where, exactly where Peter's taking us. And there are three distinctives here about the glorious stone Jesus Christ that Peter points out to help us see his incredible glory and to motivate us that it's going to be okay and that we can be about the business of proclaiming that glory. And the first thing that Peter points out here is that Jesus is the glorious living stone who gives life. Jesus is the life giver. In 2.4, he writes again, as you come to him, a living stone. And the, the way the Greek is used here, again, it is a personal, habitual, beautiful relational approach to Jesus that Peter's talking about. We come to someone who is alive. Not, not someone who's in the past or a theoretical concept or, no, we come to someone who is living and active. And Peter loves to talk about Christ this way. In 1.3, one, in he refers to Jesus as the living hope. In 1.23, he's the living word. He's alive and he gives life. The Apostle Paul also loved this kind of language. And if we look at Romans 6, 8, and 9, we see some similarities here. Now, if we have died with Christ... We believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. God allowed us to have eternal life through the living stone. And so, this is a life giver. 
And this shows the incredible grace of God because we were dead in sin. Adam and Eve's rebellion caused us all to fall in sin and and creation fell. And each of us was separated from God. But enter the living stone who came to die on the cross. to, to, To take our sin upon himself. To make atonement for sin. And then he was raised again and is alive today giving life to all who come to him in faith. This is the living stone. And it's a glorious stone. Next, Peter tells us that this glorious cornerstone is the one on which his church is built. And this is really important for us in 2020 to keep in mind. Look at verse 6 here. Peter reaches back into the Old Testament, Isaiah 28, 16 to be exact, in order to secure his case that Jesus indeed is this cornerstone. He says this in verse 6, For it stands in Scripture, here's Isaiah, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. And Peter is claiming here that Christ is that one. He is that cornerstone. He is Messiah. And cornerstones are simply visible stones that signify the foundational presence that a building is built on. We have one right over here on the north side. And and what Peter is telling us here is that the church of Jesus Christ is built on Jesus. Not on all of our traditions, not on all of our wants and and our needs. It's on Christ. And unfortunately, in our culture today, and I'm not trying to build up straw men, but so many times in our churches, Jesus has been replaced by this desire to to hear about how to live our lives well and do well with our finances and and all these things and life tips, all good. Except for in too many churches, Jesus has disappeared. And even though he's mentioned by name, the idea of his mission to come and make atonement for sin and establish a gateway to salvation certainly has been put off to the wayside as being politically incorrect. But our mission is to proclaim exactly that. And when when a church does that, a church is full of the gospel. And when a church is full of the gospel and is proclaiming Christ, then God blesses a church that does that. It may not be the biggest church. Sometimes the biggest churches, sometimes, not always, sometimes the biggest churches are the ones who have the least gospel. Sometimes the smallest churches have the most gospel. But God will bless anyone who's willing to proclaim his glory. And I, for one, am really thankful for the many churches that are right around us here who are set on doing just that. And we're really fortunate in the West Metro to have churches like that. But Peter says that Jesus is this living stone. He's a cornerstone. But he's also a point of contention, as you know, in our world. And as strangers and aliens, we really know this. 
The glory of Jesus Christ is the rock of offense. And so if anybody thinks or, or stirs up this idea that this is the first time Christians have had to suffer for Christ, really doesn't understand history. We're 2,000 years ago. And if you look at verses 7 and 8, Peter tells us that some would reject the stone. Some would just say, no, we're not going down that pathway. In 7, so the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do, which is a verse we could spend a few months on. We see here this sharp contrast between believers and non-believers. For, for, for we who believe, we see that Jesus is this precious stone that is of ultimate value. But for those who reject the truth, they stumble over Christ. This was happening back in Jesus' time with the, with the chief priests and the, the Pharisees. And, and, and Peter was well aware of that. And even in our culture, it seems that we can talk about faith, we can talk about God. How many times have you opened up an article, this is a person of faith and this and that? That's all very acceptable in our culture. Until you insert Jesus as he really is, as the exclusive road to salvation, the Son of God. Then the sparks fly. Whoa, you can't say that. Well, that's what the Bible teaches. That's why, that's why we're called to proclaim this and proclaim the glory of Christ because it, it's not going to come easy, but he, He's called us to do it. But it's hard for non-believers to really understand this. I, I was contacted by a professor from a a prominent university, and he had read a blog I'd written or something, and he got in touch with me. And we began this kind of on-running dialogue about Christianity, and we eventually, of course, landed on the claims of Christ. And this is a guy who was really smart, really gracious, really nice, growing up in a Christian home, understood all of the biblical mandates and, and, and ways to be saved. He got all that intellectually but what he couldn't put his mind around is the exclusivity of Christ. The claim that Jesus is the only way. He could not accept that. And so sadly, he, he, he kept saying, I can't, I can't be a Christian because that can't be true. Jesus is a rock of offense. He's a stumbling block. But my question for you this morning is, has he been a stumbling block for you? Sometimes, sometimes people are surprised when, when they're, you know, they read a statistic that in, in, in every church, even evangelical churches, some 20% of the people sitting in the congregation are not believers. And we just kind of assume. But I don't want to assume. I want to ask you, has Jesus been a stumbling block for you? Have you been sitting in church all these years, listening to people like me, drone on and on, and saying to yourself, I just can't buy that. Well, maybe now's the time. Now's the time to get it right and to believe before it's too late. 
Jesus is amazing. His glory must be proclaimed. And Peter gives us this idea of Christ as a living stone, the cornerstone. But he is a rock of offense. And now we're going to look at how he deals with people like us, Christians. He uses the same metaphor, but he's going to tell us now how to interact with what we've learned about Christ. And firstly, Peter describes Christians this way. Strangers and aliens, that's us, are living stones who possess eternal life. If you look back at verse 4 again, we see our affinity with Jesus and through the grace of God share in his glory. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men but in the sight of God chosen and precious. Here's the one directed to you and me now. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we are, like Christ, living stones who possess eternal life through Christ. And again, Paul is latched on to this idea as well as these men are led along by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So who are we? We are those that have eternal life in a relationship with Christ and have been built on the grace of God, this cornerstone, Jesus Christ. Secondly, here's what Peter says we are. Strangers and aliens are priests in a spiritual house. You and I are priests. And this is great because you don't even have to go to seminary or anything. You don't have to wear a collar. You don't have to wear a robe. Although if you want to, that's fine. We'll, we'll still accept you. But here's what's interesting about this. There's going to be now a comparison between we as New Testament believers and Old Testament worship. Because now we're in the church age. And, and we have not replaced Israel. Israel still has a national identity, of course. But we have been called now to worship differently. Because we make up the church. We say we're going to church on Sunday. That's fine. But the church is not the building. The church is you and me. Believers wound together by the Holy Spirit. Spiritual house supersedes any earthly dwelling. And I want to spend some time here because this is really important. And this is probably the most important thing I'm going to say all morning. So I want you to listen to this. Because of Christ's atonement, the work of the Old Testament priest has been given to us. We are now the ones who are to carry out the business of furthering the cause of Christ. Not, not paid clergy only, all of us together. And this is really important theologically that we understand because this is why the atonement of Christ is so vitally important when Christ died, remember, the, the veil that, that caused regular believers in the Old Testament 
to stop. They couldn't go into the Holy of Holies. Only the chief priest could enter there only once a year. That veil, when Jesus died, was torn in two. And that meant that every believer in the New Testament age could walk into that throne room and pray and commune with God any time that we wanted to. And that's an amazing theological point to make. But we have now become these priests. And this is a brand new day. There's no limit on that. But that's the theological part. When it comes to practically living this out, well, we have to understand that there's a requirement for us, that we have been called to something greater than ourselves. And I love how the New Testament paints this picture. For example, priests in the Old Testament had to go through this ritual to be cleansed by sin before they could go into the temple. Well, here in, in, in our day, New Testament priests, we are cleansed by Christ, by his work on the cross. Old Testament priests wore these really, really fancy garments. If you want to spend some time in the Old Testament and try to figure out what's going on there, just go to the section where they're making the priest's clothing. It was elaborate and detailed and important. In the New Testament, we wear the robe of righteousness. Because again, it's not us, it's, it's, it's Christ that has made that possible. In the Old Testament, priests were anointed by God for service. We New Testament priests were set aside, were sanctified by Christ. And in the Old Testament, God demanded holiness from his priests. And that hasn't changed. Because one of the themes that runs through 1 Peter is that idea of holiness. In 1 Peter 1.16, Scripture is quoted there, Be holy, for I am holy. And so we have, we have stepped into this priesthood now in, in, the, in the New Testament age. And we, in verse 5, Peter says, Offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. What does that mean? That means that while Old Testament priests were out sacrificing animals for sin over and over again, we are to sacrifice spiritually, make spiritual sacrifices for God. We are to live lifestyles of holiness, lifestyles of worship and loving each other and, and helping the needy. And, and more importantly than anything, reconciling men and women and children to God. There's no more important job for a priest than to reconcile people to God. And you can do this. We can do this together as living stones. We, we share this immense responsibility, but it's a, it's a great privilege because we are united with Christ. We, ha, we share in His glory. And so we can proclaim His glory. And we can do amazing ministry at Ridgewood because of this. Strangers and aliens are a chosen race and a holy nation. And sure, we, we may not feel at home at all in this culture, but we have been chosen by God for this moment. And if you look at verses 9 and 10, Peter helps us understand the privilege that is ours. And, and with this privilege comes immeasurable blessing. Verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
a people for his own possession that you, and here, here's the point of the entire section, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's the point of all of it. That's our job. That's what we've been called to do, to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus Christ. In verse 10, because once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. How can we not proclaim Jesus Christ? We are a people. We are a nation. We have not replaced Israel, but we have been called by God to enter into the New Testament age and function as priests that are proclaiming Christ. And so we can find joy as we do this together. And due to the glory of Christ, we serve the person that Peter calls the stone, the living stone, the cornerstone. And maybe, maybe due to some of your life experiences, you, you've come to know him by maybe not biblical names, but in your mind you think of him a particular way. Maybe for some of you, he's reconciler who, who, who's helped you reconcile a marriage or, or relationship with a friend or, or a child. Maybe for some of you, he's an agent of freedom and he's, he's led you out of addiction to pornography and alcohol and drugs. Maybe it's hope. Hope that my child will walk with God again. Hope that I can find a job, that, that I can get married someday. For some, he's the healer. He has healed your body. He has healed relationships in your life. And for many of us, he's, he's truth in a culture that's just full of lie after lie after lie. Jesus is truth. And then for many, he's intimate friend, the one who walks alongside. And I was thinking about this and kind of mulling over my own life, and, and the names that sort of sprung into my mind for me are, first, he's, he's the healer of broken soul. He, he's patched me back together. He, he's, he allowed me to be a story of redemption. For me, he's confidant. He, he's someone I can tell everything to. And, and I don't have to worry about reprisal. I don't have to, to worry about confidences leaking out. I can just tell him everything, and I, I love that about him. For me, he's awe-inspiring. When I think of his greatness and his mercy and his power, I'm inspired to serve him. And I think I would also say in my life, he's gracious one who keeps forgiving me of sin over and over and over again. And with that, he's perseverant, never gives up, always there, always saying, I'm with you, I'm with you, let's go, let's go, you can do this. And so we have this amazing God who is this, sent his son to be this cornerstone and 
we are strangers and aliens and we live in this crazy culture. We need a place to land. We need a place to, to plant our flag, a, a place to pledge our allegiance to, and a person that we can trust, and that is Jesus Christ. But here's the thing, the world needs this. The world needs this place. And we have been called out from darkness as priests to bring that news forward. The glory of Christ never changes. And it's our job to proclaim that glory. And so I would like you just to take a moment and pray about this and ask God, what do you want me to do? What, what name would you, would you put in my mind where I can recognize you in a more personal way, God? And then I'm going to pray, and then I want to ask you to make a commitment. But first, let's pray together, quietly before God. God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise your name for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to be our foundational cornerstone, the one who gives us life. And we so want to serve you, God, and teach us how, how to further the name of Jesus. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. What I'd like you to do as we begin to sing this song that the team will lead us on if you feel that you want to stand in front of your fellow believers and make a commitment to be a priest who is on the move, who in your neighborhoods, your schools, wherever you are, to bring the name of Christ forward. And if you want to be all in at Ridgewood, I'm just going to ask you to come forward and sing, to stand in the front, stand in the aisles. The first service, it was beautiful. People just flocked down here, and we all had this beautiful time of singing to Jesus and proclaiming his name. So feel free to do that right now if God is calling you to do that as a symbol that yes, I am going to proclaim the name of Jesus. Let's all stand together and sing. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. We encourage you to receive the message that was just given and let the Lord do a mighty work in and through you. For more information on how to connect, give to this ministry, or for more faith-based resources, visit us at myrwc.org.